That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Hey, y'all. It's me, your host, Christina, just dropping by to say that I'm super thankful for you. Oh my gosh, here in the United States, tomorrow's Thanksgiving, which is a totally bogus holiday that I don't like, but it's a great opportunity to reflect about your own life and think about what you're thankful for, which I think is an important practice every day of the year and particularly Thanksgiving. So I'm thankful for y'all. To express my gratitude, I'm giving you the gift of one of our Patreon bonus episodes. This one was hosted by our dear friend, Andrew. If you enjoy it, I hope you consider joining our Patreon um, for as little as a dollar a month. You can support the podcast and help us literally exist. Without you, we would literally not exist. So we're grateful for you. I hope I've made that exceedingly clear. And if you're celebrating Thanksgiving, have a good one, travel safe, do the right things. Y'all know, y'all know what to do and just like be excellent to each other. Enjoy. Magical herpes. <laughs> really? Okay. Now, now, that, now that's how you open a podcast, Christina. I'm Andrew, and this is a special Patreon episode of the Restricted Section Podcast we are calling Behind the Magical Bastards. So for those of you who aren't cool enough to listen to the regular episodes all the way to the end to hear the neat stuff we plug, let me explain. One of my all-time favorite podcasts is called Behind the Bastards. Its host is the biggest man crush in my life right now, a conflict journalist named Robert Evans. The idea of the show is that Robert has a guest who comes on not knowing what the topic of the episode will be. The topics are the worst fascists, grifters, con men, and general pieces of shit from history. Robert reads an essay he prepared on the subject and enlightens the guest and listener with comical descriptions of, well, just awful things. Through it all is his tortured producer, Sophie, who tries to keep him on track and unsued. Uh, now, I'm the type of person who never shuts up about the things I like, and I suffer from the worst version of thinking that if I like something, everyone else will. Because of this, I didn't shut up about Behind the Bastards long enough that Christina finally gave in and listened to it. <laughs> uh, Christina, it is fair to say that you became a fan, correct? Yeah, I just caught up, a, I think, like a week ago on all the back episodes. Awesome, awesome. Maybe a, like a month ago, you came to me and said that we could do a Behind the Bastards themed episode, and I couldn't resist. So you gave me a few weeks to put one together, and even found one of our loveliest friends to be a guest. So let me introduce my guest today, Nick Dorer. Hi! Thanks for having me, you guys. Hey, girl. Hello, hello, hello. Now, uh, Nick, what is your experience with Harry Potter and your knowledge of the universe? I am absolutely an uneducated newbie. I know about nothing. I haven't really read the books and I've seen bits and pieces of the movies. Definitely interested. I, I think it's, you know, fun to watch, but I, I don't know much at all. <laughs> <laughs> See, and just let this serve as a uh, proof to our normal listeners that yes, we definitely do have friends in our friend groups that are not Harry Potter fans. We're not all Harry Potter fans, but you will see we do extort them for their lack of knowledge. <laughs> so uh, you're going to work for Harry Potter either way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it, it, We're going to get something out of you. Um, so Nick, thank you for agreeing to come on today. 
Yeah, and so let's go ahead and dive right into it. Our topic today is going to be Gilderoy Lockhart. Okay, now I want to go ahead and put out a quick disclaimer here. This information that I'm going to be going over comes from uh, mainly just one source, which is the Harry Potter wiki. The reason for that is all of the information you can find on him that's outside of the books that's not just made up comes from the same places. So normally, whereas it would be better journalistically, if that's a word, um, to get multiple sources, all of mine do come just from the one simply because they all have the same information. So if you ever Google them, you can find all the same stuff. But yeah, so I guess fair to say, Nick, you do not know anything about Gilderoy Lockhart. I do not. He has uh, quite a mouthful of a name. I know that so far, but nothing else. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, one thing, Nick, to be aware of is the Harry Potter universe is set in a way that uh, the timeline is that Harry is going to be 11 years old in 1990, I believe is what we've kind of figured okay. out. I know it's out there somewhere concrete, but that that's the relative date for you. So I'm going to reference some dates just so you know where it is in reference to young Harry. That's where we're talking. Okay, great. Um, all right. So... Gilderoy Lockhart was born on January 26th, 1964, to a muggle man and a witch. He had two elder sisters, both of whom were squibs. Now, obviously, this term means... I can tell by your face, the listeners can't see it, but Nick, you have no idea what a squib is, correct? I do not. All right, so <laughs> what a squib is, is when a magical person has a child, there is a chance that the child will be born as a non-magical individual. Uh, the kind of colloquial term that I don't know whether or not it's derogatory but it's the only term that we ever hear for that type of individual is a squib okay so what this is saying uh is that gilderoy had a non-magical father a magical mother and then two older sisters that were non-magical wow so uh because lockhart's father and two older sisters were non-magical people the fact that gilderoy was magical caused his mother to dote on him all the time She's said to have unshamedly shown gilderoy more love and affection than anyone else in the family he was constantly told how special he was for things that he really did no work for. And that's never been a problem, right? I mean, nothing bad's ever happened in the magical or muggle worlds because someone thinks uncontrollable traits make one superior. Like, you know, magical ability or race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fun yeah. stuff. Never never heard of it. Yeah, it never yeah. happens. Not once. Ever, mm -hmm. ever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... <laughs> When young Gilderoy got his acceptance letter, this became yet another thing to praise him for. He was so special. The Harry Potter wiki actually goes on to say, quote, he and his mother forgot in their excitement that Hogwarts was a school for all British and Irish wizards, and thus his introduction into the school, along with everyone else, was, in his eyes, extremely dull. Uh. So, yeah, we're seeing already that he's, like, kind of developing into... A very, very repulsive child. Uh, There's a complex there, absolutely. Yeah, we're starting to see some patterns, right? Yes, you can't condition someone that way. It just leads to, uh, I don't know, disaster. Well, I mean, I can't think of anything recently in the news where a young child kind of grew up thinking that he was special because of something, you know... He did nothing for. That mm. he did nothing for, and then going and causing, you know, two people to die that didn't happen that didn't happen so this is why um, i can't fuck with a mama's boy for like even a oh second. bet yeah <laughs> <laughs> no nope <laughs> i'm your mama now bet <laughs> gilderoy lockhart entered hogwarts school of witchcraft and wizardry on september 1st 1975 and was four years below the marauders 
Uh, so he was actually there when uh, the Marauders. Okay, so Nick, the Marauders were uh, uh, Harry's parents and their friend group. Okay, that was my. So next he was there when yeah, Gilderoy was uh, four years younger than Harry Harry's uh, parents. Gotcha. Um, he was placed into Ravenclaw, but did quote narrowly escape from being sorted into Slytherin. Uh, once again, it's kind of interesting because this is a parallel with Harry. Harry uh, ended up in Gryffindor, but he had to tell the hat that he wanted to be uh, in Gryffindor, not Slytherin. And Lockhart, from all accounts, apparently had that same situation where he could have ended up in the, or rather almost would have ended up in the house that symbolized all of dark wizardry and all of the uh, self or not self-indulgence. Talk about systemic but- racism, dude. <laughs> we do have Slytherin listeners. All so Slytherins are evil. All Slytherins are evil. Yes. So yeah, basically it's, the the. Go ahead. It's funny because Brooke is also a Slytherin Ravenclaw cusp, but she I could not think of someone who's more opposite of a human being than Gilderoy Lockhart. Very much so. Very <laughs> like Gilderoy so. is all talk, no walk, and Brooke is all walk, no talk. You know. I get that. Maybe it's I the am- difference between an extreme extrovert and a, uh, oh, I would say Brooke's an introvert, right? Yeah, I think so. Maybe that's the, uh, the difference in that, that set. Wow. I am definitely the epitome of a Hufflepuff. Yeah. I don't know much about yeah. Harry Potter, but I am a Hufflepuff at heart. I can Which- completely corroborate that. Like, that's 100% yes. true. Yes. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) When Lockhart got to Hogwarts, he assumed he would walk in and that everyone from peers to professors would see him as the gorgeous genius he thought himself to be. He thought walking down the halls, he would hear people whispering about how special he was. This, of course, did not happen since he was only slightly above average at best. There were many students who eclipsed him in his talent and ability, but we can't gloss over what he wanted. He wanted people talking about him. He didn't want to learn to be educated. He wanted to learn to get praise and attention. This is a trend that will definitely be continuing as we go on through his life. So once again, it, you know, he, he didn't want to simply be famous. He wanted to be famous because he liked what it brought. He, it liked the, the people talking about him. Mm-hmm. So it, it's almost it's almost a pure desire for fame. You know, he doesn't want it doesn't seem like he wants the riches that come with it. He wants to be known. You yeah, know? like a household name. He wants the attention of people talking about him. And like, I, it's just again, it's just foreshadowing. You can't convince someone they're so amazing when they're. It, it reminds me of when like really really shitty people go on American Idol and they're like, my whole family told me I was great. Oh. It's like how. How did anyone tell you that? And how did you believe them? Honestly, I I work at a small press and we get books like that all the time where it's like everyone I know has told me this book's incredible. And I'm like, well, you don't know what is a question and what is a statement. So yeah, you you can't write a book if you don't know your ass from your elbow. Like, I just I'm sorry. Exactly. It's just that's not how it works. (laughs) Right. Well, and one thing that's important to remember about Lockhart is that while he's not next level talented, he is talented. Mm-hmm. So it's almost it's almost the worst case scenario for that because he's got just enough talent that he can convince himself that he's way more talented than he is. Uh, it's almost like uh, if anyone has ever tried to lose weight 
and you start losing a little bit of weight, you start thinking like, all right, all right. You start multiplying in your head. You're like, okay, it's been two months and I've lost, I've lost 10 pounds. So in simply by, you know, by Christmas, I'm going to be 30 pounds down. Oof, that, that never works. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's the same problem. <laughs> it's the same problem. You're assuming all this stuff about yourself. And the problem with having it be about like your, your power and your ability is that until it's questioned, until it actually is shown to not be there, you can maintain that illusion. We also know that Gilderoy had this trait where he would not really attempt something unless he was fairly certain he was going to be the best at it. Mm. Um, his teachers did say that if he actually worked hard, he could possibly make something of himself. Unfortunately, though, the second most imp important personality trait for Lockhart behind his drive for fame is his laziness. Uh, mm. it, it's kind of crazy, actually, because he had these crazy ambitions he would tell people about very publicly and then never really try to achieve them. Uh, Sounds like so my exes. <laughs> well, you're probably asking yourself, like, what goals, what goals could he want to achieve that would be so lofty and very obvious that he didn't achieve them, right? Mm -hmm. um, well, I know none of these are going to make sense to you, Nick, but I will explain them after I list. Lay them on me. Um, yeah. So he kept telling people, quote, that he would succeed in creating the Philosopher's Stone before leaving school and that he intended to captain England's Quidditch team to World Cup glory before knuckling down to become Britain's youngest minister for magic. Well, now, that sounds like Trump to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be huge, y'all. Well, once remember, remember, Gilderoy does have a little bit of talent, so it's not exactly like Trump. Touche. Um, Touche. But yeah, so to, to break those down for you individually... The Philosopher's Stone, uh, have you ever heard of that from alchemy at all? Honestly, no. Oh, you See, need to brush up on your alchemy. Like, I remember Sorcerer's Stone, but that's not the same thing as now. Well, actually it is. <laughs> it is? <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> for Nick. Um, the Philosopher's Stone is actually a thing from history. Uh, so in like the Middle Ages and uh, uh, medieval era and stuff, the study of alchemy was trying, one of the big goals of it was to find this uh, Philosopher's Stone or Sorcerer's Stone. And so they call it the Philosopher's Stone. And what it is, it's a stone that has the power to basically grant you eternal life okay. and also can do other neat little side tricks like turning lead into gold and fantastical wow. things like that. Yeah. It is in the uh, Harry Potter universe. It was made by a guy named Nicholas Flamel, but he made it like 700 years ago. Oh, God. So there's only one in existence. And... Gilderoy is basically saying, like, I'm going to do this thing that people took hundreds of years to figure out how to do before I graduate I school. It. Yeah. And then immediately. Yeah. Yeah. You know, easy, easy stuff. Then immediately upon graduating, he wanted to captain England's Quidditch team. Quidditch? Yes. Yes. Okay, I, Quidditch. I know that one. <laughs> um, and then they have a World Cup. So there is a Quidditch World Cup. So he wanted to then be the top athlete in his nation uh, and arguably the world. Uh, before knuckling down to become a political success as the Minister for Magic, which is their version of the Prime Minister. That's so just like he a list of, like, all the things. I was yeah, going to say, exactly. Like, I just want to find the most extreme success that I can out of every realm, and I'm going to do them all before I even graduate, because I'm that bitch. But, exactly. like, are you, though? Are you? Did yeah, your mommy yeah. set you up to fail? Uh-oh. Well, and mind you, the guy that's saying all this stuff is, like, I guess the equivalent would be like a B plus student, like yeah. a kid that knows his stuff, but you're like, dude, you're not even as good as that girl. Like, yeah. Right. Why, why, 
why do you think you're going to do any of this? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen proof that you're not the greatest here, let alone anywhere. So you're going to do it in the world. Again, good luck. This, this is the small pond of Hogwarts. Yeah. There's many small ponds and you're not even the leader of this one. Oh, so where are you getting this from? Um, <laughs> but of course we know that he got it because of ego and a lust for fame. Mm -hmm. Now, Unfortunately for Lockhart and his ego, he never really got popular with his fellow students, though he did have a few exploits that gained him some notoriety. At various times, he earned two weeks' detention for carving his name into the Quidditch pitch in 20-foot-long letters, sent himself 800 valentines causing breakfast to be canceled due to owl shit, and even invented a spell that sent a hologram of his face into the sky in imitation of the Dark Mark. Um, oh my god. That might, yeah. You might have heard of uh, Christina there, Nick. Uh, the Dark Mark, the reason that got an, oh my God, is because that is what Voldemort would send up into the sky, the biggest baddie of the day and age. That's uh -huh. his trademark, is the Dark okay. Mark. He sends like up. Magical. That's his bat symbol. Yeah, his reverse bat symbol. I his, got, okay. Yeah. what I did, yeah. I see. His so, beacon of destruction. Yeah, right. his, so, his, like, calling card. Literally, okay. yeah. Okay. It, it, it's what he did when he murdered people. And it's okay. the same symbol that all of his followers had branded onto them. Um, oh. So, or tattooed onto them would be more accurate. But uh, it's a skull with a snake coming out of the mouth. It's like a really, like, rah. I feel like I've seen that before. You pro Yeah, probably Yeah. Have. So Lockhart sees this thing that literally whenever it's in the sky, it means mayhem and death and sadness. And he's like, that's a good idea. And to his credit, while he's in school, he creates a spell that will send his face to the heavens. It's once again, it's impressive, but really fucked up. I have seen that before. Honestly, I think my friend Amber has that tattooed on her, if I'm not mistaken. This is like what the tattoo usually looks like. Yeah, dude, I think I have seen that. I'm gonna have to creep some more. Um, but this reminds me of people that like, and I, I hate to admit that I'm this way, but if you have a little bit of talent, but a hell of a lot of ego, mm. you're really not that special to me. And I kind of am rooting for you to fail. Yeah, it's that, like, uh, what is it? The Dunning-Kruger effect? Where it's like the you, opposite of an underdog. Like I'm like, you're kind of a dick. Shut up about it. Yeah, it, it, it's where uh, <laughs> I, I, I might have this completely wrong. I think it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. It's where if you have a little bit of knowledge on something, mm -hmm. uh, statistically, you will respond as having far more knowledge on it than you do. Whereas if you have the more knowledge you have on a subject, the less likely you are to respond that you have knowledge on it. So what that means is that if you oh. ask a regular, normal, everyday person, and I mean, I, my degree is in political science. This is literally the best example of it. If you ask someone, how much do you know about government? If they know a minimal amount, they're likely to say they know a lot. Mm -hmm. If you ask someone with a PhD, how much do you know about government? They're more likely to undersell their credentials. Absolutely. Oh, it happens on the internet all the time. You know, yes. people well, are like... You said that, and I kind of think about my own habits of, like, I don't know, things in the past, and I'm like, I know something about this, and I feel like I kind of drag it out just naturally, and I'm like, where are you getting all this from, girl? Everyone yeah. just feels everyone just it's, feels like they're failing each other if they don't have something to contribute to the conversation. So it's true. like, it's like what? just be okay being like, oh, I don't fucking know. That, that's me <laughs> at this point. Like, I'm vulnerable, blah, 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 vulnerable about it. If I don't know anything, I'd much rather tell you so you can educate me on it instead of yeah. being like, oh, yeah, I know things about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, and of course, th this can get very dark and very bad, too, because it's also it leads to things like anti-vaxxers. 
because they'll read just a little bit of stuff. And with that very surface level knowledge of a topic, they'll run with it. They'll declare themselves experts because, you know, three hours on Google with a glass of wine equates to a doctorate. We love Karen. Okay, you just described my whole life, Andrew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. After leaving Hogwarts, well, first of all, obviously, he did not succeed in his first task or his second. He did not create the Sorcerer's Stone before leaving, and he did not immediately go on to uh, captain the British Quidditch World Cup team. One question, though. Yes. With him shooting his face into the sky... What was the general reaction to that? Especially if everyone knew that it was so, like, horrifying to begin with. Yeah, it doesn't say... I would imagine horror is the right word, though. Um, It's like seeing a swastika. It's like, dude, we don't joke about this. You know what it would be? Okay, I get that. Maybe it wouldn't be quite like that. It would probably be like... uh, Remember when Justin Bieber did the thing with Anne Frank's house where he was like, Anne Frank would have been a believer, and people were like, dude, that's fucked up. You know? I did not know that happened, but I'm so glad you educated me to that because that's fucking funny. I'm sorry. <laughs> what oh, the yeah. hell are so you it, thinking? It, it, it's, and I think that's the perfect thing is that I think that in his mind, he probably thought like, this will be really impressive. People will like see it and they'll be like, you did it. But of course, yeah. what people <laughs> actually think is like, why? That's so yeah. morose, like of all the things to copy. It's just like you shouldn't take someone else's story and make it like your story. You know what I mean? It pisses me off when people do that with tweets, let alone actual writing. Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> after leaving Hogwarts, Lockhart leaned into his talent potential and coupled it with his vanity to create a magical shampoo. It was incredibly powerful, and it guaranteed luscious locks of hair. It's noted that this claim is one of the few claims he will ever make that is actually factual, Uh, but more on that later. Um, Unfortunately for Lockhart, while the shampoo was amazing, one of its main ingredients was Akami egg, which was also so dangerous that no one was willing to produce, market, or sell his shampoo. Oh my god. Leave <laughs> so, it to a boring man to make a three-in-one shampoo product. Yeah, right. Well, and <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get into this later on, but uh, Lockhart, like I said, vanity is incredible with this guy. Um, mm-hmm. And he, in the movie, he is played by Kenneth Branagh. So, like, a very done-up, oh, very... Hmm? I'll okay. have to Google. I'll yeah. get a picture. Yeah. If you can pull up a picture, uh, Tina, that'd be great. Um, because he is a pretty boy. He is definitely a pretty boy. And he's a very entitled, very egotistical, very vain, white male pretty boy. Yeah. Okay, so, just for the record, the the character is, but Kenneth Branagh is a, a gentleman and a scholar. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. To see. I'm, okay. Wait. I'm finding him in character. I didn't type out. Okay. Lockhart. Just pretend like I was really prepared, like they always are, in behind the bastards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You're doing a great job, Sophie. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See, he's like beautiful. Yeah, I like his little curly hair. Yeah, he definitely has like excellent. Here's a here's a better one. Okay, Nick. Okay, so here he is painting. Do you see what he's painting? Is it him? It's, he's painting a picture of him painting a picture of him. <laughs> yes. Holy crap, dude. Like, yeah. selfie on selfie on selfie. <laughs> I want to recreate that now of myself. Does that right? make me vain too? <laughs> <laughs> so, at this point that we're talking about now, how old is he? 
I'm not exactly sure. Um, I would guess with the shampoo, he's probably early 20s. That's what I was going to say, too. Okay. Somewhere around there. I could do the math. Well, give me a second. No, that's all right. Wait, oh. I, have a, I have a question. Yeah. What, you said the shampoo is dangerous. Yeah, so they don't go into detail, but... What, is that like exploding shampoo? I, that's kind of the impression that I got, is that it's a potential Holy exploding shit. shampoo, because <laughs> oh they, uh, they don't say the exact danger itself, but if it was in the shampoo, it couldn't be poison. That wouldn't make sense. So, yeah, so I was like, is it just toxic? or? Yeah, it- I don't know. It could be a general toxicity, because they These said that uh, people... Well, they, they said that users weren't willing to risk uh, its results for the uh, vanity because of how dangerous it was. So obviously it was dangerous enough that people were like, I don't care how good this is. It's not worth it. When I was in co- college, I went through um, a phase where I used egg eggs as shampoo. And that was dangerous because really? if you used hot water, you'd have scrambled eggs in I've your done hair. that before. <laughs> I've done that. We made a whole thing with oil and eggs and bubble. We heated it up and I had scrambled eggs in my thick oh ass my hair. God. It was disgusting. But then let me tell y'all, my hair was the softest it's ever been. Like, really, I did shampoo it six times, but it was worth it. Not dangerous though. It didn't explode. So it wasn't his shampoo. Yeah, it, w- it was not his Splitting shampoo. Eggs. That's for sure. Um, now, Nick, if he had just made a shampoo that could potentially explode on you um, or cause <laughs> some sort of damage, that would be one thing. But it would not—it would not be enough to make him a bastard, in my Fair opinion. Um, There's more to come. The big break for Lockhart, though, came when he started writing books. He developed his pattern uh, for taking these trips to exotic lands and then coming back with these fantastic stories, telling the maging up. Uh, telling of amazing adventures and deeds he had done. Now, Nick, it's hard to tell exactly how big these books were, but we know they made him famous and popular enough for him to get a slew of awards, including an Order of Merlin third class, becoming an honorary member of the Dark Forces Defense League, and being a five-time winner of Witch Weekly's Best Smile Award. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, Now, I have prepared a list here of the books that he put out in this time period. And you will see the titles are very self-explanatory and they tend to be either narratives or guidebooks. Okay. Uh, So we have Break with a Banshee, Gadding with Ghouls, Holidays with Hags, Marauding with Monsters, Travels with Trolls, Voyages with Vampires, Wanderings with Werewolves, Year with the Yeti. Uh, He also has Gilderoy Lockhart's Guide to Household Pests. He has... 101 practical uses for birdie bots every flavor beans <laughs> and he also has his autobiography called magical me <laughs> so it's safe to say that he wrote the uh, magic treehouse books as well correct <laughs> <laughs> how yeah. dare you how <laughs> dare you you know who else didn't write the magic treehouse books? <laughs> who's that these the following products and services. <laughs> products! <laughs> hey there, it's me, Christina. This is an ad. What's it an ad for? I don't know. We don't sell ad space, but Behind the Bastards takes ads, so we wanted to do an ad break. Um, have you called your grandma recently? You should call her. She'd love to hear from you. If you don't have a grandma in your life, then call your friend. 
who lives in Wisconsin. You haven't talked to her in a while. Miss you, Laura. Oh, what else? What else? Uh, you should change your sheets. You're supposed to change those every couple of weeks, and I bet you haven't done it recently, so try that. Also, pet a dog. That'll make you feel good. Thanks for listening. We're back. Uh, now, now, if Lockhart had published these and the accounts had just been fake, then his grifting ass would be bad, but not quite a full-fledged bastard. Unfortunately, though, remember that he's incredibly lazy? Yes. Uh, too lazy, in fact, to lie or to make up his own stories. Uh, so how do you think he got these stories, Nick? That's what I was going to ask, is I feel like he's not really taking his ass to these places. It reminds me of, like, Columbus, where he's like, "I, you found this, I found this. This is mine. Hello. Like, it, it, <laughs> <laughs> it's like that meme of the uh, the person handing the person their That's present, I saying, mean. like, you made look this, at what I, I made. made. This. I made this. Exactly. Yep, oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and leave it to a cishat white man to do some shit like that. No, mm. right? I'm mm. going to awkwardly stare over here really quick. Um, <laughs> so so you, you're, you're close, but not quite evil enough. So Lockhart, okay. like I said, he does have a very unique set of skills, but not in a Liam Neeson type way, more in a grifting asshole type way. Um, <laughs> and one of his skills is the ability to find people because he's a very charismatic person. So what Lockhart would do is he would go to these exotic areas and by exotic, you know, code word far away, not, you know, not anywhere in Britain. Mm -hmm. And he would find these locals who would have these crazy stories. He would go to bars and pubs and he would sit down with people and being a charismatic person, he would talk to them and he would hear like, Oh, well you need to go talk to this guy. He's got a, he's got a great story, you know? And what he would do is he would go, to find the people, get these stories, and they're incredible stories, mm -hmm. but they're not his stories. Absolutely. So and he would so take credit he, for other people's life stories. He would take credit, and he would also erase their memories. Oh, shit. So in a very, very harsh theft of IP, what Lockhart, he was very skilled at memory charm. So what he would do is he would literally, all along the way, you know, find these people, and as he finds them, he would you know, in the pub, talk to the guy that says, you need to go talk to this guy. We'll just erase his memory. He never talked to you. Go talk to the guy that did the thing, erase his memory. He, he doesn't oh remember talking God, to you. No. He doesn't remember doing it. So he is literally stealing the very stories of these people's lives. I can't even, I didn't even think that that was a possibility. And obviously I know that people can't see my face, but I dead ass was like, why, 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 you what? <laughs> like that's, that's an option here that, cause at that point you have nothing to contest. Like you can't, no one to be like, Oh, that's my story. What the fuck? You can't do this. It's like, Oh man, that guy wrote a real great story. I wish I knew who, uh, who did this. Right. Um, mm -mm. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> like I said, he is fairly, he's talented. He's not, you know, we got to keep constantly remember this about the guy. Lockhart is talented, but even when he's talented, he's not, he's not top level. He's like an eight or a nine in certain areas. Okay. Um, so he is very gifted with memory charms. And this is something that happens in the Harry Potter universe. Certain people do tend to be more gifted at other things. Fair Unfortunately, enough. he happened to be gifted at memory charms. And he also happened to have this horrible concoction of personality where he has like the ego. He has the vanity. He is the biggest whore for attention the world has ever seen. 
he has no morals. Mm-mm. He thinks he's the best, and he's good at memory charms. It's just That's it is just not shitstorm. Yeah, it's not a good combination. No, oh, dude, I can, I just like I think I just need to take a second to take that in because like again, not never heard of anything like that ever happening before. Yeah. But also, what the fuck? Like, I mean, like that's just really like extreme gaslighting. Honestly, just precisely, like, exactly, mm-hmm. never happened. Well, mm-hmm. it, it, there's there are definite undertones here that when he says he's going to exotic lands, I mean we're we're usually pretty honest on our podcast. What this really means is that a white man is going to less developed places that won't have as much access to the material once he puts it out. Mm -hmm. So the white savior complex kind of deal. Completely. Imperialism. Like, yeah, Mm -hmm. 100%. Plus he's um, capitalizing off of these people's stories without giving them any sort of credit. So you've got the capitalistic tie to it as well. Oh, and not only not giving them credit, he is stealing any chance of them getting credit because they don't even know that they deserve credit. To some extent, like if you think about it from more of a compassionate standpoint, I feel like, other people are telling you specifically to go and speak to these people. The stories that you're taking from them may be all their life purposes or what they really feel like they've accomplished or what makes them them. And then if you take that, like you're taking people's identity as well. Oh, it, it absolutely is. It is completely stealing their identity. 100%. Mm-hmm. And that that's why he targeted these little, he would go to these remote villages, little towns, faraway places. And, you know, if you only have 50 people in the village, then, it doesn't matter how big the book is. And you're probably not going to see it. Yeah. Or if you do, by the time that you see it, and this is the even worse part is by the time that you see it, what's doesn't matter. your 50 people in your village are gonna be like, no, no, this guy did it, but that guy doesn't even know that he did it. Yep. Exactly. He and on top of it, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's horrible how well thought out this plan is. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. it all works in cogs together where it's like, they all go hand in hand yes. to kind of drive one another, you know? Yeah. And it, it it's just, it's very sad because mm-hmm. you need something, you need an incredible bump in the road to deter that cart. You know, it's Absolutely. already rolling and you need something huge. Let's well, it's see just what like happens. Everything <laughs> with his family and like the brain, I don't know. I, I always try to like analyze things like this and especially I feel like even just people in general, I'm like, what, what made you act the way you are? And even in my own life, when I'm introspective, I look back on things and I'm like, oh God, that one thing that my mom did is why I do this now. And so Mm. like seeing his story come to life and seeing how things all just kind of feed into this narcissistic, uh, I mean, evil point blank. Like, I don't know. I'm excited to see where else this goes, but hmm, not my kind of guy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, um, this grift was making him some serious money and bringing him incredible fame. It was not without risk, though, no matter how well Lockhart tried to snip any loose ends. At the time he was putting these books out, Albus Dumbledore was the headmaster of Hogwarts. In 1989, to build up some additional press, Lockhart announced to the world that he would randomly select six students from Hogwarts to come to Flourish and Blots for a book signing. That's some Willy Wonka shit. I know, right? Six random students, yes. (laughs) Um, After the signing, he told the students that they would be made special guests and coordinators of a Valentine's Day event at Madam Puttyfoot's tea shop. No, not Madam Puttyfoot's. At Madam Puttyfoot's. My Uh, favorite scene 
I've said this before. My favorite scene from the whole book series happens in Madame Puttyfoot's and it didn't make it into the movies. And Nick, it's literally just the most awkward date you've ever seen in your life. It's the most <laughs> unmagical moment. And it yeah. happens on Valentine's Day in the worst tea shop in the world. Oh my god. Yeah, I don't think I'd go to somewhere that sounds like potty foot. <laughs> I think I'm gonna pass on that. I definitely yeah, some, don't want those two things together. Yeah, don't no. don't don't have the potty tea. That's not yeah, right? what you want. That sounds like a <laughs> euphemism and I'm just not into that lifestyle. I think so. I would especially stay away from the boba there. Yeah. <laughs> no floaters on my potty tea, thank you. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> Now, uh, uh, Lockhart, Lockhart was calling this event Voyages, Vampires, and Valentines. Isn't that lovely? He's such an alliteration ho. He really is. He, he's a ho for that. Uh, in reality, the event was going to be an opportunity to source material for future books from students. Luckily, a couple of students involved figured out what his plan was, and he was forced to leave the event to avoid being exposed. This would have probably been enough to alert Dumbledore of the fuckery afoot, but to make things worse for Lockhart, Dumbledore actually knew two of the wizards he had stolen the stories from. So, oh, shit. Yeah, uh, Dumbledore actually, by just by chance, uh, knew of the legends and knew of these two people, and it kind of makes sense, because Dumbledore is an international figure. He is mm-hmm. on all these international bodies. He, he is as world-renowned as you can be as a wizard. This kind of makes sense, though, because if you're Dumbledore and you're an internationally famous wizard, if you go anywhere, people are going to want to tell you that story of that of the great deed that the dude in their village did, you know, and you probably Absolutely. would follow up. Why not? If mm-hmm. travel is instantaneous, then why not do it all the time, you know? So there, it's likely that it's not as crazy to think that Dumbledore might have heard these same stories, you know? Absolutely. Um, plus, I think we've all heard urban legends that you hear about someone doing and there's always that one person who claims that they did it mm-hmm. if that makes well, people sense even do that now all they want to do is talk about themselves and things they've accomplished whether it be like i don't know facebook and twitter like oh, i'm eating cereal or like <laughs> you know, like i said what people think that they are the most proud of you know people will tell you about themselves you mm, i don't know <laughs> so <laughs> Well, like I said, Dumbledore, he knew two of the wizards that uh, Lockhart had stolen from. So he hatched one of his great plans to expose Lockhart. He would get him to take a job teaching at the school since such an environment would be a public stage for Lockhart to expose himself on for his own fault. So basically, if I, put, yeah, if I put him in this platform, he's going to fail. It's going, he's going to make an ass of himself, basically. Well, it's like you already um, know what he's doing. So you just put the pieces together for him to show himself out, you know? Exactly. And Mm -hmm. Dumbledore definitely understands him as a person, as we're going to see here, because uh, when he approached Lockhart, the con man didn't want the job. Dumbledore then used a tactic he would drag out again in four years and name dropped a student to court a teacher. Uh, Dumbledore implied to Lockhart that being the teacher to the great Harry Potter would send his fame to unimaginable heights. Given his ego and not thinking about how this hadn't happened to any of Harry's current teachers, Lockhart agreed to the role. He made it his mission to not just be known as Harry Potter's teacher, but to become his mentor. Uh, Mentor in heavy quotes there, by the way. (laughs) He likely wanted to turn Harry 
uh, as vain as and attention driven as he was, thinking it would help him out in some sort of fucked up multi level fame marketing system. Oh, you know, like all of your fame will be funneled through me because I'm the one who gave you fame. That's the only thing I can think of. Is that's Mr. Tentacles has so much talent that maybe he'll rub it on me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's not the quote, but you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Thanks, SpongeBob. <laughs> uh, uh, at hearing that Lockhart would be the defense against the Dark Arts teacher, staff members who remembered Lockhart from his own time at Hogwarts were confused to say the least. I can only imagine what McGonagall and Snape's reactions to hearing this would be, uh, especially considering Snape's personal desires. Um, now, Nick, what I mean there is that. Uh, so McGonagall is a very stern, very no-nonsense, like, badass bitch uh -huh. at Hogwarts. She's uh, one, of the, one of my favorite teachers that's in the whole book uh, series. And so for her to hear this, she would have to be like, what the hell are you thinking, Albus? But for, uh, for Snape, it's even deeper. Because Snape is kind of, uh, he's one of Harry's constant, like, foils, essentially. Like, mm -hmm. he, he's a character that is... Presented in a way as to not be liked, and I'm wording myself very carefully here because I know that Christina is about two seconds away from shouting at me because I'm very pro Snape in the end. Uh, he hates this kid. He hates Harry from the time he's comes to school and he's 11. He's like, I fucking hate you. And then for does. the whole rest of his school, he's like, I hate you, kid. You can never do anything right and fuck you and fuck your dad. That's me at my job, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> my um, boss is Snape. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the, well and probably the same thing that happened to Snape happened, because what happens is that Snape has one job that he really wants, which is the defense against the dark arts role. Mm -hmm. But Dumbledore won't let him have it. And there's a lot of backstory there, and most of our listeners probably know that. You don't need to know what it is. Just he wanted that job. And so okay. not only does he get passed over for it again, but on top of that, it's this guy that he remembers from you know, being four years young, because he was at school at the same time that Harry's parents were. Okay. So he would have been just four years older than uh, Lockhart as well. And so he has all these memories of this fucking egotistical, you know, fame whore that has no, you know, incredible amount of talent. He's like, why the hell are we bringing him here? Yeah, exactly. And like, why are you passing me over to give this job to him? Like, yeah, I thought, mm, yeah, no. exactly. So it's, a lot no, of, some uh, fuck boy. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, over his time as Harry's teacher, Lockhart tried to implement his plan, unknowingly setting Dumbledore's plan in motion. As the year progressed, Lockhart continuously showed his lack of most practical magical knowledge for all to see. Events ranging from failing to topple pixies, misidentifying the cause of Miss Norris's petrification, or even that she was still alive, and removing all of the bones in one of Harry's arms. Oh, God. Yeah. Stealing so, bones, uh, stealing memories, stealing stories. Mm -mm. Yeah. <laughs> stealing bones, go. stealing stories. That sounds like a great <laughs> blues song. That scene was like so traumatizing to me when I was a kid. Oh, God, yeah. And it's the like movie a night, was awful. The, the, like, the, the movie makes it worse because you see it with your own eyes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right now. Mm -mm. Yeah, so like in the Pixies thing, so Nick, in one of the most famous like scenes of the series, in my opinion, uh, he lets out all of these pixies into the class after telling the class this like charm that's supposed to help you, uh, you know, fight them. Uh -huh. And the charm does nothing. It, oh, it's God. not a real charm. And so he has a classroom full of dozens of these pixies and all these like, you know, 12 year old kids. They're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? It's like the gif of Oprah giving bees to everybody. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And just like, well, not like in that gif, he, uh, he does not stick around. 
So everyone flees. It's just, yeah, it's the, it's the trio and Neville. And he's like, Oh, y'all got this. Just, just, just finish them off for me. And bails. He bails. He just Uh leaves. That's the thing though, is I feel like in every story so far, it it has been very evident that he does not finish the job. He like either plucks it from somewhere else or just bullshits his way through it. Or he believes in himself enough that he thinks everyone else will too. But that can only last for so long. Yeah, and he's one of those people that would have been immediately discredited if cell phones were a thing oh, with, like, web access. Because Absolutely. all of his shit is a Google away. Because it's obvious that all of his knowledge that he has, he either only knows the idea of it, like, he doesn't have the practical knowledge. He might mm-hmm. know a spell, but he's never done the spell. Okay, I see. So, so even if the like spell's right... book smart versus street smart, like... Right, right. But even then, it's a very select book smart that he mm-hmm. actually has and he just bullshits everything else so yeah. I mean, we all know that person who will like say something in in conversation and you just stop and you're like wait what no yeah no. right Can like, you elaborate please yeah or even better if you know that it's not right and you just have that moment where you, it's like i don't know how to politely say this but no yeah wrong like <laughs> how do i you tell know, you that that's wrong <laughs> there's no social convention for this but you're saying something wrong and I need people to know that it's wrong. So so this is my way of doing that. Exactly. Um, Yeah. So that's basically what he does. So Um, with the things that he was trying to show, like with the pixies and stuff like that, were those things that people before him had already accomplished or something that was like common, like, or was he just trying to be like grand and extra and show off? So they're all kind of different situations, but um, okay. the first one, the Pixies, that's mm-hmm. just a class. That's I just see. him okay. being like, this is how I will conduct my class. I'll unleash a horde of Cornish Pixies on students. Cause that's a cool thing to do to 12 year olds. Um, I'd be pissed. And see, like that- my extent of Pixies is like the fairly odd parents and they were like business. <laughs> so I'm like, these fucking <laughs> no. little square dudes running around. These Pixies are different. I was going to say, I need a little bit more information. Like, they're, they're, me- they're crazy. They're like an insectoid pixie, like a little gremlin uh-huh. insectoid. Like, they, I mean, they're, they're not like, they don't have like, you know, insect parts, but they fly. They look like almost like miniature goblins in a I way. I think they do have like antenna. Yeah, they, they're they're unique in the way that they're per- portrayed, but they're they're not... They're not friendly. They're obviously yeah, I, menacing, <laughs> like outwardly menacing. Okay, fair um, enough. So, if like essentially, it would make sense for them to be fucking scared. Oh God! It uh uh-uh, uh no. You know yeah, what it looks like? That fucking thing. Oh God! What was it? Crazy frog or whatever? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, so, bing, 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 bing. Yeah. What's going on? Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, this, worth- this pixie's face looks like Willem Dafoe, or is like, is that just oh me? Just kind of like. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and then the petrification. Um, so Mrs. Norris is a cat that gets petrified. Okay. Uh, so like you know you know almost turned to stone, not physically turned to stone, but immobilized essentially. Yes. Um, and as soon as he sees it, uh, he's just like, oh, 
I know exactly what killed her. It was this curse. And, you know, it's a shame that I wasn't here because I happen to know the very counter curse. So, you know, not only is he misidentifying what even happened because the cat's Mm -hmm. not even dead, but he then bullshits knowing what curse it was that did it, which there's no evidence as to why that would be. And then third, he's like, and you know what? I just happen to know the counter curse, which it's like. Doesn't say it, though. It's just like, y'all should have called me. Right, and there's no way to prove it. So it's it's mm. a claim that he can make that you can't even check him on, except for that you can prove that the cat's still alive because Dumbledore can just plainly see it's still alive after oh, examining it. <laughs> um, and then, of course, you know, just it 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 he's a liar. He's a chronic liar, and we Absolutely. all have met people like that that constantly say bullshit like that. So I think we all have uh, an image in our head of someone like Lockhart, not to the same extent, hopefully but like them, you know? Absolutely. I feel like in the stories that you've told so far, I have so many different examples of different people, different walks of life, but so many similarities to the things. I mean, obviously not in like not all examples are as evil, but definitely as egotistical and narcissistic and just unaware, just blatantly unaware of their importance in other people's lives. Yes. Raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by a chronic liar. (laughs) Hands up. It's unanimous. It's unanimous. Wow. (laughs) You would have seen that coming. Open your eyes. Look around. See how many other people have their hands raised. Look to your left. Look to your right. Both of those people were victimized by chronic liars. Um, Yeah, and then uh, the the bones thing. So Harry uh, breaks his wrist in mm-hmm. a Quidditch match. Uh, and when he lands, he's like, ow, my wrist is broken. And Lockhart runs up and is like, don't worry, I can fix that right here. And to his credit, Harry's like, uh, no, no, we got we got the, the nurse who does things like this Yeah, like, this isn't your job, time. sir. Yeah, I, I'm good, I'm good, I'll go to her. And he's like, nonsense. And he does this uh, uh, Baracchus Mendo, I think is what it, uh, the spell is, something like that. And he like uh-huh. does this huge wave of his wand and the only thing that happens is that every bone in his arm is removed. So yeah. every bone in his forearm is just no. not mm. there and it can flop back and forth. And he, then uh-huh. he has to uh, go to the nurse who says something along the lines of like, I can fix bones in a second, but regrow them. Oh, you're in for a painful night. So yeah. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. So instead of like a three second charm, uh, Harry has to go through a night of feeling his bones regrow, which oh. I can only imagine how lovely that must be. Oh my like, god. Just now realizing that they don't I mean, they never get painkillers. Yeah, yeah, like how do you deal with that? You're they just... Yeah, he, he she's like he she's like here go to sleep, but like Harry fucks himself up a lot and goes to the hospital wing a lot and they, she never gives him any painkillers. See, and like to me, I'm like, okay, you're a wizard, you can just heal yourself, which is bing, I'm fine, like that's not how it works. No, it's well, like they a still have hospitals. It it depends on what causes it because they do go into like if it's there are certain accidents that it does seem like they can kind of easily undo because like one of the worst ones it actually seems pretty easy that's a splinching okay because like splinching is when two people apparate which is disappearing from one place and reappearing in another Mm -hmm. and if you splinch yourself it means that like part of you didn't make the journey got it okay um but it does sound like they're actually pretty capable of fixing things like that Uh, if it is magical dark magical damage there definitely mm-hmm. seems to be a recovery process. Okay. Although they do seem to have healing potions. Cause I know that uh, when Hermione gets attacked by Dolohov 
in the Department of Mystery. This means nothing to you, Nick, but uh, Christina, I do know that when um, she gets attacked by Dalahov, they talk about how she had to take like pain potions and stuff. If I remember oh, correctly. Yeah, she got like straight up. Um, she got fucked up. Like you, it's kind <laughs> of like in Lord of the Rings when um, fucking Frodo gets stabbed with that like Witch King knife or whatever. And it like it like doesn't hurt him physically, but like spiritually, it's like he got stabbed with a knife. That's like what like, happened to Hermione. Okay, so it's almost like her magic was shook. Like, yeah, it. it, it She's just like got. It's ice. like a magical. It, what oh. the effect of the spell was kind of like a magical axe coming down. That's the way I've always described it. And then it it definitely caused physical damage, but it fucked with her magic too. Like it. it yeah. Like, this all culminated when Ginny Weasley was taken into the Chamber of Secrets. Since Lockhart had been bragging about how he knew where the chamber was and how to defeat the monster within it, he was tasked with the uh, rescue. Now, Nick, once uh, again, I'm sure you have a few questions here. I do, uh, yes. So the Chamber of Secrets is a place that was put into the Hogwarts castle by one of its founders. Um, okay. he, think of him as the ultimate like white nationalist, basically. Because um, he was like, the only people that should come to my school are pure-blooded wizards. Mm, Purest okay. of bloods, in fact. <laughs> None of those half-bloods, you know, in, yeah. in real bad. Yeah, so, um, and so the legend is that he created this chamber and then he put a monster in it. You know, okay. because no good legend, or no legend is complete without a monster. Absolutely. Um, and the monster would only serve the heir of Slytherin, who would come back in the future and would unleash the monster on the non-pureblood people of Hogwarts. Jesus and white people, I see. All right. Yes, yes, very much so. Um, <laughs> so uh, the chamber has been opened and Ginny Weasley, Ron's, Ron Harry's uh, you know, best friend. Yeah. Uh, it's his sister who is okay. taken down into the chamber. I have a little so, bit of like knowledge about the Weasleys, but I don't know yeah, a whole yeah. lot. So how did she get put in there in the first place? Did he have something to do with that? Or did they just put him with the rest? Yes, the there's okay. not Gilderoy, but there's a huge plot. That's the, basically the plot of the second uh, book is that Ginny oh, okay. ends up in the Chamber of Secrets. Um, she's just a victim of circumstance and very bad, bad circumstances. But all that you need to know is that she is in this chamber. There is a monster in this chamber. And now... Because Lockhart was like making all these subtle things about, well, not so subtle, probably about, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm, I know where the entrance is and I figured out how we could take care of this. And of course now uh, the chickens have come home to roost and he's like, okay, so you want me to actually uh, go and, and get this girl? And uh, Harry and Ron, oh, she if I remember not. correctly, they were, uh, they were listening in to the meeting between the teachers at yeah, the in this room. in the staff yeah. room that I remember that because the good teachers were like, Oh yeah, Gilderoy, you said, you know exactly how yes. to do this. Why don't you go do this? Oh yeah. Call him on his shit. Like yes. get out of our hair so we can solve this basically. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. like, you have the solution. All right. Put your money where your mouth is, dude. Yeah. And so he, uh, he says that he need to go off to prepare. And so he went off to, prepare uh which in reality meant to try and beat a hasty escape now he was caught by ron and harry in the act uh when they went to tell him what they knew of the chamber and its monster so they had figured out basically where it was and what all the stuff that you know lockhart had claimed except for how to beat it and okay. so they were like well he's an adult we think he's an idiot but maybe he could be helpful if nothing else he's the only one who is going down in there so we will tell him what we know uh, mm -hmm. Of course, it would have been much more sensible to go to, like, 
Dumbledore and say, we know this, or even just crash the whole staff meeting and say, like, we know this. Yeah, like, tell um, the people who need to know, not just the guy that's uh, making an ass of himself, but all right. Yeah. uh, (laughs) That's like the whole Harry Potter MO is never tell the people in charge, just handle it yourself. But then uh, then Harry did something both incredibly brave and incredibly stupid. It is the the summary of Harry Potter. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so they went to basically give Lockhart this information. Uh, When they did this, and they caught him, you know, packing up his trunk and trying to leave, Lockhart revealed to them that he was a fraud, and then told them that he would have to erase their memories as well. Harry disarmed him the same way that Snape had in the Dueling Club meeting. Um, And the two boys forced him to come with them into the chamber. Uh, What I'm referencing there is, at one point, Lockhart decided to start up a dueling club because this chamber of secrets was uh, being threatened to be open. And at the dueling club, Snape volunteers to be his assistant mm-hmm. and they decide to put on a mock duel and Snape just hands his ass to him. Damn. Uses, yeah. He uses uh, the spell Expelliarmus, which goes on to become like Harry's bread and butter. He mm-hmm. doesn't realize it, but he learns it from fucking Snape, but yeah. it is his like go-to thing because he doesn't want to kill people. He just wants to disarm them. Right? Absolutely. Just but, yeah, so Snape just like casually disarms Lockhart and Lockhart's like, huh, good example. And if I, you know, I knew what you were trying to show them. So I went along. Now, of course, obviously, if I, if I didn't want you to disarm me, you wouldn't have. Um, so even kind of like weasels out there. Oh, but, God. Yeah. So, but Harry uses that same spell and, you know, the first time in a long um, series of events of him doing this. And he uh, takes uh, his wand. So, uh, like I said, they force him to go down into the chamber with them. Once inside, Lockhart used a ruse to wrestle Ron's wand away from him. Uh, Lockhart told the boys he was going to use a powerful enough memory charm on them to essentially scramble their brains. So he's Mm -hmm. going to, you know, just absolutely destroy them. And his plan is to literally, there's a piece of the, uh, the monster is a basilisk, which is a giant snake that can like kill you just by looking at you and has this incredibly toxic venom. So a a real big, bad monster. Um, But when they get into the chamber, there's this, uh, it shedded skin. And so they have this Mm -hmm. huge, you know, shedded skin. And Lockhart's plan is I'm going to grab a piece of the skin. I'm going to destroy your memories. Say that I was too late to save Jenny or get her body. And then bring you up that when you saw what it had done to her horrible mangled body, that you just lost your minds. Oh and so, God. yeah, not only was he going to steal the story, he wasn't going to fix anything. He was going to leave the monster and not get Jenny's body and then bring them back completely messed up. Just, exactly. Yes. No memory of it at all. Um, now, I've kind, of, I've kind of hid something from you here. I said okay. that he wrestled Ron's wand away from him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, th- there's, there's a problem with that. You see, unfortunately for Lockhart, Ron had broken his wand at the beginning of the year. Um, when they get to Hogwarts that year, they have a car crash. Uh, they use a flying car. It's a whole big thing. Um, and in the car crash, he breaks his wand. So Lockhart should have known this. Yeah. He was his teacher the entire year with him (laughs) using this broken wand, not able to do anything right. The Lockhart grabs the wand, goes to cast the spell and it backfires, leaving Lockhart in a permanent state of amnesia. He got what he deserved. He got his comeuppance. Karma's a bitch, man. Uh, Um, I love that story. This is not the last time we see Lockhart. So in the fifth book, uh, we do see Lockhart one more time 
at the permanent spell damage ward of St. Mungo's, which is their magical hospital. Uh, even in the state, it seems that Lockhart maintained his general persona of a celebrity, tragically signing autographs for fans that still mail him. <laughs> so he still has these people that, you know, will send him these fan letters and he will send them back an autographed picture. Now, of course, he has no oh, idea God. why they're his fans. He's he has so no. Exotic. Yeah, at this point, he literally <laughs> is just like, they love me. In a way, this is eternal bliss for Lockhart. He's got all these fans. He never has to do another thing. He is a permanent sad story. It's almost like, uh, you know how every time that Chris Brown fucks up, his fans do not give a shit? I was going to bring him up earlier, but I didn't want to disrespect Rihanna, and I didn't even want to speak his name, but I was going to say yes, because he has a little bit of talent that motherfucker can dance, but, like, fuck him. He should have been canceled a long time ago. What the fuck? Exactly. Mm -hmm. And so it's fucked up because, in a way, he kind of gets the ultimate ending to his story. Mm -hmm. He's actually a very happy person. He even published a final book. Oh, mm, Nick, can one? you guess what he called his final book? Oh, God. Shit, what the hell is that? Hold on, I have I have a thing. I'm thinking of the word. Amnesia at the Asylum. I couldn't think Ooh. of the word Asylum. That was it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That would have been amazing. Um, <laughs> wow, that is so much better than what he actually called it. Because uh, what he actually called it is kind of tragic. Who am I? Aw, Hey, yeah. that's the same thing that you did to all those other people. So, like, yep. again, fuck you, yep. man. No, no sympathy, but it, it's sad. Yeah. Um, and then, as is the curse with celebrity, though, while he still got many letters from fans, he reportedly never had any visitors and thus cursed himself into a lonely and hollow last chapter of a public life composed of nothing but stolen stories. Oh. And that is where our story ends. So, what Nick. How do you feel about Gilderoy Lockhart? It's like, because I empathize, part of me is like, oh, that's real sad that he ended up all alone. But at the same time, like, you can't live your whole life thinking that you're fucking awesome, stealing things from everyone around you, making money and, you know, a path for yourself that's based in nothing. Like, shit will catch up with you, man. I, I have seen Karma too many times that I'm like, yay, Alexa, this is my favorite song. Yeah, you remember that thing I'm like, I've been watching too much Sopranos because I'm like, that's Junior. That's what happens to him. It's fine. Like, you know, he, get, he gets what he deserved, man. But yeah, definitely a bastard. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah. what the fuck? And yeah. it's like, I hate that my main, like, object, or not objective, but just like my main opinion is like, dude, his mom fucked him up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah. and that that's actually kind of a trend on behind the bastards too. Mm-hmm. A lot of these people are there's a common upbringing of struggle mixed with elevated praise. I get that. So a lot of these people that are the worst people in history feel like they're owed something but don't want to ever work for it and then are told they're kind of owed something from the universe. Um, it's it's kind of like a uh, a very negative and twisted version of the self-esteem movement, you know? Um, Because I know all all of us here are millennials. We've all been told at some point, like, well, the biggest problem with you is you were told that you're special when you're growing up. And it's like, well, no, that's not what we were told. We were told to celebrate our skills and that, you know, we, we, not that we're just generally special, but that there are things about you that make you special, like your personality and the way you treat people and who you are as a person and, you know, all that jazz. The uniqueness um, of you, not just the fact that, like, you know, everyone always jokes about, like, oh, there's no fucking participation prize, but it's like, that that's not 
that's not what I'm asking for. Like, you know, right. It's, and it, it's just, you know, and even then what's wrong with the participation trophy, as long as it's explained, like you get this because you, you stuck it out, you know, it's perseverance. It's not participation. It's perseverance. You showed up, you came, you did all the practices, you played the games. There's nothing wrong with giving a kid a trophy for that. Now, giving him a trophy that says like MVP best player ever when all he did was show up or she did was show up. That's not a good thing, but just giving someone a participation trophy is not a bad thing. Yeah, you're right. Lockhart's just one of these people who is constantly coddled and constantly told that the universe owes him something and that the best thing he could ever be is special. Mm. That's why you just, that's why you just sometimes got to tell your kids how it is. You know, like, you're you're a little shit. You need to show your mouth. I love yeah. you. Well, Mo- noticed, mommy loves you, but... <laughs> mommy loves you, but shut the fuck up. I don't know. I've noticed that people with the shittiest kids are always the first one to tell you the most amazing things about them. And it's like, dude, mm-hmm. I know this isn't true. Your kids know this isn't true. And eventually you're going to have to have that conversation. But that's, good luck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, like I said, we're, we're that, that's kind of where we're going to end today. Uh, and Nick, I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that you learned a fair bit, I hope. Yes, uh, absolutely. Since all this was new. Now, Tina, what about you? Was there anything new in here that you weren't expecting or anything that you uh, didn't previously know? Um, Yeah, honestly, like you started, you started out right off. <laughs> okay. You started right off with like really learning that his two older siblings were squibs, like really changed the narrative. Like yes. to have the kind of pressure of like, of like, I'm the only one who can do magic and it has to be great. Yeah, I know for me, when I was researching it, the the real enlightening thing, even beyond his childhood, was that year before Harry went to Hogwarts. Mm -hmm. So two years before he got the job, when Dumbledore saw him like in this series of events, almost, you know, take the stories from kids. Like basically started sniffing out something, you know, that, that was like, Oh wow. That kind of explains, cause I know on the podcast we had the discussion about why the hell would Dumbledore bring this guy in? Yeah. When he clearly can't just do any magic. <laughs> right. And I think we had hypothesized that it might be to expose him, but this kind of shows that there was a little bit more to it than that. And that honestly, if it wasn't for the fact that the chamber of secrets was opened, it wouldn't have been a bad thing because it, was obviously like anyone who was at Hogwarts was seeing him progress and show how lack of competent, how much lack of competence he had. So I think Dumbledore's plan would have worked. The only bad thing is that it happened to work at a year that had a very disastrous thing happen. Yeah, that's true. Now um, it is the end of the episode. So I'm going to do what Christina normally does. Uh, Nick, do you have anything you wish to plug? Feel free to follow me on Instagram. I am Thick Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> or Twitter, Thick Lizzie McG. There we go. There we go. Uh, Christina? You can follow me on Instagram at Your Girl of the World, and you can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. Awesome. And I, uh, as always, do not have anything to plug because I'm not cool or interesting. So uh, just keep listening to the podcast. And uh, patrons, I want to thank you all so much. It was so much fun to do this. And please let us know, you know, uh, email us, comment, whatever you, however you contact our uh, show. Oh, honey. You, oh, he's, like. he's not on social media. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> email let, let us, us at restricted section pod is what he's trying to say. Yes. Yes. There we go. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and let us know if you like this, because I would definitely be down to do more of these. If you have any one that you want 
to do one about, let us know. Ooh, yeah, um, who's the biggest bastard? Yeah, if you have any contenders for biggest bastard, definitely let me. I, I want to try and avoid like Voldemort because that's that's like Hitler. It's like yeah, it's too it's easy. Too easy. But um, yeah. we definitely do Lady Bastards too. So maybe a Bellatrix Lestrange is in order. Oh, that could be good. That's yeah. a bastard, dude. Yeah, and I'm willing to bet there's a bunch of additional information that we didn't get in the books that's been released about her too. So that could be a fun one. Tell me all the stories of all the terrible people I'll be hearing. (laughs) Well, I was going to say, we might have to uh, keep your other Harry Potter universe knowledge down low. So I will. I'll keep my blinders on so I can be on the podcast. Yes. (laughs) I'm excited. It's I've been in the dark this long. It'll be great. (laughs) There we go. Awesome. Well, it's a plan. So like I said, listeners, just let us know if you liked this and we could do more in the future if you want. And then before we go, I also obviously have to thank Nick. Nick, thank you so much for coming on tonight. And you really, you, you helped bring what started as a, a little gift from Tina of a possibility into a wonderful reality for me. I, I loved every minute of this. So thank you so much. Absolutely. I had so much fun with you guys. I'm glad to be the bow on top. Beautifully put. And, and with that, endings are hard. So bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. The Restricted section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. Theme music by Ryan Kahn, remixed by Zenit Music Studio. Logo by Michael Hardison. Be sure to like our Facebook page, The Restricted Section Podcast, join our Facebook group, The Restricted Section Detention Crew, follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, and on Twitter at Restricted Pod. If you want to join our Discord server, shoot a message to one of our socials and I'll get you connected. You can also email us at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com with thoughts, feelings, complaints, or even lavish praise. Until next time, potheads. As Robert Evan tells us, uh, podcasts are all live. There, there is no way to edit. It's not a thing. <laughs>